Welcome to the Love Reaching Community's Sermon of the Week. For more information pertaining to the life of the church, please visit our website at lrcchurch.co.za. So we've been doing Colossians. So if you want to turn to Colossians chapter 4, verses 2. I must thank whoever does the preaching roster for giving me such a fantastic piece of scripture to do because it really is. Um, I'm almost at a, at a bit of a challenge because out of this I could do at least three preachers, if not five, and I have to condense it into one. But that's okay. It's a great problem to have. And I pray that God gives me wisdom. So let's quickly read through it. It says, verse 2, Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the, will, for the word, to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear, which is, which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each person. So as we cover this, I'm going to look at it in two parts. Uh, I went through, as I was preparing, I went through from three parts to five parts down to eventually two parts. Um, the first one is, I'm going to look at it, the first three verses from verses uh, two to four, Paul speaks about prayer, that's something about prayer, and then he goes on and speaks about life and how we live. And I'm going to cover it in those two parts. So the first one, verses two to four, where he speaks about prayer. He starts and he says in verse two, he gives us three things that we should kind of focus on. He says, continue steadfastly in prayer. Some other translations say, devote yourself to prayer. Otherwise, uh, then he says that we should be watchful in it and that we should be thankful in our prayer. So he gives us three things. Continue or devote yourself to prayer, be watchful in prayer, and be steadfast in prayer. And if you were if you were looking at the announcements this morning, you would have seen under our prayer thing, it says there one of the things is devoted to prayer. And that comes from Acts 2 verse 2. So Acts 2 verse 42, where it says, it's good to turn there. It says, and they devoted, talking about the early church, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to breaking of bread, and to prayer. That's the first thing he encourages the church in Colossians to do, to vote yourself to prayer. He says elsewhere, pray without ceasing. He's saying, guys, continue to pray. Make sure it's a priority for you. In, in our circles, guys speak about big rocks in our calendars, those things that kind of are immovables that just sit there. That those are things we can Everything else kind of moves around those. One of those should be prayer. Not just corporate prayer. Corporate prayer is great, but pray for ourselves as well. The fact is, in, in this most simplest term, prayer is just talking to God. If I try to build a relationship with my wife, and I never talk to her, I'm never going to have that relationship. I have to be speaking. We, if we want to build this relationship with God, we have to be speaking to Him. We cannot just sit back and say, okay, I'll pray once a week or once a month at prayer meeting. It's not going to work. It's not going to happen. We need to devote ourselves to prayer. He says, be watchful. Turn to 1 Peter 4, verse 7. Give me a second to turn there. As you turn in there, being watchful means being attentive, being alert, paying attention. 1 Peter 4 says, 
the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. The NIV, the NIV says, be alert and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Be alert for the sake of your prayers. You know why he says that? Because if we're not alert and we're not watching around us, we don't know what to pray for. Prayer is, if I'm honest, prayer is not my strong suit. As from, a, from the things that God looks to us, prayer is not something that I find easy. It really isn't. But the more I find I pay attention to what's happening around me, the more I look at what God is doing around me and see other people, the easier it becomes to pray because I know what to pray for. Some of it's a spiritual thing and God just cautioning us spiritually where we're hearing the Spirit and hearing what He's saying. Some of it is really practical. If you find yourself working during the week in a big, in a big city or in a big uh, kind of more, corp, uh, more industrial area like Santon or Joburg, Joburg might be, not be a good idea to do this, but go take a walk around there. Go take a walk around the streets during your lunchtime and pay attention to what you see. Just open your eyes. Don't, don't, you can pray and say, God, show me. But if you merely open your eyes, we will see what God wants us to pray for because there's so much. We just need to look. And I find myself so often you're oblivious to what's happening around us. I'm oblivious to what's happening around me. And I don't see. And therefore, I don't know what to pray. He says here, be alert for the sake of your prayers. He wants us to watch that we may know what to pray for. And then the last thing he says is be thankful. Turn to 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 16 to 18. Being thankful in our prayers. Give me a moment to get there. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18. It says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of Jesus Christ in you. Sorry, for you. Being thankful in our prayers. You know, if you look at these three things, there is actually a bit of a, Paul was quite intentional about putting them like this. Let, let me explain why I say that. So as I was reading this, I was thinking about, well, why would he put them like that? Well, continue to pray always. He wants us to continue to pray. As we watch and we're alert, we know what to pray for. As we see those things and we pray for those things and God answers, it becomes really easy to be thankful. Because we've watched, we've opened our eyes, we've opened our ears to what the Spirit is saying. We've seen, we've prayed into that thing. And now we can be thankful because God has answered a prayer. And then the cycle continues. Pray continually. Watch as you watch. We see what God wants us to pray for. And we can be thankful. So I made a comment. I said, when we continually pray, we find that we become watchful. And being watchful leads us to being thankful. So there's an order here that it's on purpose. So that was verse, verse 2. Verse 3 and 4, back in Colossians, he says, At the same time, pray also for us, that God may open to us the door for the word to declare the mystery of Jesus of Christ on account of which I am prison, that I may make it clear which I ought to pray. That first bit, this, that first scripture, he spoke around the how of how we of what we pray so how do we pray we are watchful will we continue be watchful and be thankful that's how we pray now he speaks about a a what and i use the word a specifically because there's many things we should pray for but he specifically mentions one thing of what we should be praying for and he says exactly that he says 
that the mystery of Christ may be made known to others through me, is what Paul says. And then, now that, that same thing is for all of us. We should be praying for the mystery of Christ to be made known through us. Paul says specifically that the words may be given to me. He specifies two things. One, he says that the occasion, the door would be opened. There would be an occasion for the word to go out, and then that he would have the right words in that occasion. We should be praying the same thing for ourselves. Ephesians 6, verses 18 to 20. Praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication, to that end, keep alert. He says the same thing, follows the same thing as being alert. Be alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And also for me, that the word may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. He says the same thing. Exactly what he said to Colossians, he says here to the Ephesians, where he says, guys, pray that the door would be opened, that there would be the occasion for me, and then that I would have the right words, and I would speak it boldly. Our prayer should be the same. And where should our prayer be that? I thought of four things. One is our family, our brothers, our sisters who don't know Jesus. Are we asking God to open the door that we can share the mystery of Jesus Christ? Why is it called a mystery? I was thinking a bit about that. Because to us, it's not a mystery. But to someone who doesn't know Jesus, it is a mystery to know why someone would be saved through Jesus Christ. It doesn't make sense. The salvation of Jesus Christ does not make sense from a physical perspective. It really doesn't. That is why it's a mystery. But when you've seen Jesus and you've met him, it is no longer a mystery. Because we know he's real, because he's ministered to us, he's, he lives inside of us. We should be praying that we can introduce people to that Jesus. And our families is one of the first things. Brothers, sisters, when we get to family gatherings, Tabs will tell you, my, my family is, my family, not her family, the extended part of my family, sure, I have no patience for them. <laughs> if I'm honest, sorry, I'm being honest, I really don't. And that's, that's a fault in me. Let's be honest, that is a fault in me. I, I, Tabs works harder to see them than I do, which is a problem. No, I'm not talking about my, my immediate family, I'm talking about my extended family. That is a problem. That's not how it should be. I should be seeking God for them. I should be seeking God, saying, God, give me the opportunity to share the word, and then give me the words to share the word, to share you, Jesus, with them. Our family. The next one is our children. May I be perfectly honest? If we as parents are sending our kids to J-Zone, hoping that J-Zone will get them saved, we are selling ourselves and our kids short. It is a privilege to lead your children to Jesus Christ. It is an absolute privilege to sit with your child and pray a prayer where they accept Jesus in their heart. An absolute privilege. My encourage parents, ask God for the opportunity and the words to share Jesus with your children. It doesn't matter if they are five. It doesn't matter if they're 50. If they don't know Jesus, ask God for the opportunity and the words. See, the words are so important because my five-year-old will see what, the way I speak to her will be so different to the way I speak to my, my boy who's eight, turning nine. They are so different. Because their understanding is different. But it doesn't mean I can't introduce them to Jesus. 
we've had, if I can, can share a testimony, we've had the privilege of sharing Jesus and both of our children accepting Jesus. Both at the age of four, five, three. Both at the age of three. They understood what they did. We made sure they understood. And we had the privilege of sharing Jesus with them and them accepting Jesus in their heart. Parents, please pray. Ask God. Seek him out for it, please. I'm not sure I'm so emotional. Next one is friends. Those people we see every day, those fr- friends, not colleagues, not at church, but other friends who we know who are not saved. Same thing, we should be praying, Lord. We see them, we invite them over, we get together with them. And may I say on this, on this point, if you, have, if, you have no friends who are, if you have no friends who are not saved, please go find some. Please. <laughs> That's why we're here. That's why we saved and what God's called us to do. Please go find some friends that are not saved. And I'll speak a bit about that just now, around how we live to do that. But please go find some and then get them saved, obviously. Introduce them to Jesus. And the last one I wanted to say here yeah, in terms of asking God for opportunity is, is work. Now, work is a difficult one, if we're honest, because there's obviously politics at work. There's things about how do you share, when do you share. And ho- hopefully the next part of, the, script, the, next part of the, the scripture that Paul writes will give us some handles on that. But I was thinking about Levi, the calling of Levi and, Ma- and Matthew, uh, same person, in um, Matthew 9, verses 9 to 13 where Jesus goes, he was a tax collector, he calls him, he says, come and follow me. He then goes to his house and is meeting with all, the, with all the other tax collectors. And the Pharisees come and say, what are you doing? How can you, excuse the disciples, how can you be doing this? And Jesus says, someone who's well doesn't need a doctor. I didn't come for the, uns- for the saved, I came for the unsaved. Because the Pharisees had this thing in them that they, were, they had got it all together. So Jesus is saying, I'm, if that's what you guys are here for, I- I'm looking for the guys who need me. The guys who are searching for me. At work, there are many people who are searching. Many. We should be asking God, give me opportunity and give me words. But here's the important thing, and this is where it comes to the next piece, is our our lifestyles need to display this. And that's the next part. Before I go, and Simeon had a word this morning that really lines up with with, um, with this. So Simeon, do you want to click up share? One and a half minutes. Morning, everybody. Um, just felt a word for the church this morning, um, so I'm just going to quickly share that. So I really just felt that LOC would be a people who are honoring God in what we do and what we say, um, and then knowing how to honor God, not just an idea, so, so a deeply ingrained knowledge of honoring God, um, and an honoring of God that is birthed from and practiced through desire and not duty. And I really just wanted to encourage everyone with that this morning. Thanks, Simon. So, so as we honor God with our lives, people start to ask questions. People start to look. And that's what Paul's writing here. Listen to what he says again. He says, walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of the time. So one of the other translations, I can't remember which one, it might have been the NIV as well, says making the most of every opportunity. I love the way they put that. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your speech always be with be gracious, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each person. So as we explore this a bit, I want you to keep three things in mind. 
Romans 12 says, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. He's very clear. Do not, we, we, the, this, Paul writes and says, we're in the world, we're not of it. Saying the same thing here. Do not be conformed any longer. You've met Jesus. He's called you out of the world. Do not be conformed to the world any longer. That's what he's telling us. That's what we need to do. Don't be conformed, but let's be transformed by the renewing of the mind. First thing. The second thing I want you to keep in mind as we explore this, a, a man by the name of Brennan Manning makes this comment. It was used by DC Talk in one of their songs, if anyone of you remembers DC Talk. And, and this is... Quite a statement. Listen to it carefully. I'll read it slowly. It says, the, well, I, can, I can actually quote it. The greatest single cause of atheism in the world today are Christians who acknowledge with their lips or acknowledge Jesus with their lips, then walk out the door and deny him by their lifestyle. That is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. The greatest single cause of atheism is in the world today are Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips and walk out the door and deny him by their lifestyle. That is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. If we've met Jesus, we cannot be the same. If we have truly met him, we cannot be the same. And the last thing I want you to think about as we go explore these two verses is the world does not need a church who, who looks and acts like the world. The world needs a church who acts like Jesus. That is what the world needs. Verse 5 says, Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the most of every opportunity. Using the be making the best use of every time. Of the time. So that, for me, I was, I was thinking about this. Look at 1, 1 Peter 2, verse 11 to 12. 1 Peter 2, 11, verse 11, verse 12. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and, exi uh, and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage, against you, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct, listen to this carefully, keep your conduct among the Gentiles, so those who are outside, keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable. So that when they speak against you, when they speak against you, because they will, as evildoers, they will see your good deeds and glorify God on the day that he visits us, on the day of his visitation. Our conduct should be so good that yes, accusations will come. Yes, people will throw things at us, but it will never stick because of our conduct. Is God looking for perfection? No, he's looking for the heart. We'll never be perfect. But he's looking for the heart that says, I'm going to walk a road which shows that Jesus is my king. May I say, if there's anything in our lives that we are doing to fit into the world, we shouldn't be. If we're going to gym excessively because we want to fit into what the world thinks is look, it should look like, we shouldn't be. I'm not saying that's bad. I know there's massive debate. I'm going, to, I'm going to mention this, and I'm not trying to get into debates about it. Tattoos. If you're getting a tattoo simply to fit into the world, don't. I'm not saying don't get a tattoo. I'm not saying do. I'm saying if, it's, if the reason for it is to make you more applicable to the world, don't. Jesus in your heart must make you applicable to the world. Not how you look, how we speak, how we live. That's what makes us applicable to the world because the world looks and says there's something different. You're not like me. Why not? 
if you drink alcohol, Bible's clear about not getting drunk, not about not drinking alcohol. If you drink alcohol to fit in, don't. That's not a good reason. You don't need to drink alcohol to fit in. Give you a prime example. My dad, one of his, one of his closest friends, is the president of the Hells Angel Motorbiking Club in, South, in Johannesburg. One of his best friends. My dad doesn't drink. Doesn't swear, doesn't smoke. He's a Christian. <laughs> he doesn't do that to fit in. He doesn't need to. But they've built a relationship. Why? Because he's looked and said there's something different. That's what we're looking for. That's what the world needs. That's what we need to be living. Every one of us. If you're doing something merely to fit in, please, please don't do it for that reason. I'm not saying don't do things. I'm just saying if that is your reason for doing it, please don't. It's not helpful for us or for the world. It really isn't. When we live like that, when we live different, what happens is people start asking questions. And that's where Paul then ends and he says in verse 6, he says, Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each person. So now people come. They see there's something different. And what's the response? There is something different. What is it? He says now, now you must, your, your speech now must be seasoned with salt and with grace. Again, if you're still in 1 Peter, just a couple, just the next chapter, 1 Peter 3, verses 15 to 16. Uh, lost my space. 1 Peter 3, 15 to 16. But in your heart, honor God. Honor God. Think about Simeon's word this morning. In your heart, honor God. Honor Christ as the Lord, the Lord is holy, always being prepared to make the defense to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when, they, uh, when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. They're put to shame not because of our response, but because of our lifestyle. But he's talking here about how we respond. We honor God, they see it, they ask the question, and then we have the words to respond, to tell them of the hope that is in us. If Jesus is inside of us, there should be a hope that's evident. If the hope in Jesus is not evident to others, sure, th then we need to revisit our, where we are with, before God, where we stand before God. If, his, if the hope that we cling to is not evident to others, we need to ask God about that. And say, Lord, make that evident, because there should be a hope inside of us. So he says, let your speech be with grace and salt. So think about that, talking with grace and salt. Talking, grace is showing mercy, showing kindness. The salt is bringing the truth, if I can sum it up like that. I, I had an experience at work this, uh, since I got back, no, just before I left. I think I had an experience at work where this was a bit of a test for me. Thankfully, it wasn't anything great because I failed horribly. Um, but I was standing in, a, in a, just a general conversation with uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven people, including myself. And we were chatting, and the one guy was saying, no, no, I got bit by a spider. Now, I, I know a fair bit about spiders. I'm not an expert, but I know a fair bit. So I might just pick up, oh, really? sure, really. I'm um, listening. And he says, no, his whole neck swelled up when he got bitten by the spider. It was this hectic thing. He got bitten by daddy long legs. My problem with that is daddy long legs are not poisonous at all. 
So, so that's impossible. And, and the, the, th the, the thought is, well, if they do, some people say that if they, they got very small fangs and if they can bite you, they are deadly, but their fangs are too small to bite you. Well, their fangs are too small to bite you, but even if they could, they are still not poisonous. It's not going to happen. So now I've got this conundrum. I, I need to correct what he's saying in a gracious, kind way while still bringing the truth to everyone else that actually they're not okay. So I kept quiet. <laughs> that was the best I could do. <laughs> yes, I kept quiet. If anyone knows me, I kept quiet. I did. <laughs> um, Jesus has had a little bit more experience in this, and it's a little bit better. I know I've got only five minutes left, and I'll try and get through the story quickly, because I'm, I'm coming to land, and then we'll just go into some ministry. But think about Jesus and the woman caught in adultery. He's walking along the road, and the, the guys find this lady. She's caught in the very act of adultery. The, the scripture reference is John 8, verses 1 to 11. And, and literally, they, they haul out before her, throw her on the ground, and say, she's just been caught in, the, in adultery. She's sleeping with a man that's not her husband. The Bible says we should stone her or pick up stones. At this point, Jesus has stopped. He's drawing in the sand. I've always wondered what he was drawing in the sand. I'd love to know, but I'll find out one day when I get to heaven. But he's drawing in the sand. They've got these stones ready to throw, and they're like almost pestering Jesus. What must we do? What do you say we should do? Jesus stops for a moment. He looks up, and he says, well, tell you what. Whoever hasn't sinned, you throw first. He looks down again, keeps drawing. I'm pretty sure the lady's very much crouched down, eyes to the ground, not looking up. And she doesn't, she hears, but she doesn't see what's happening because she's probably not looking up. And the Bible says they dropped their stones and one by one, they walked away. Interesting thing it adds there, they walked away one by one, the oldest first. That's what the Bible says. Because I think the older we are, the wiser we get, the more we realize we fall short of what God wants. Please look to our elders. I, mean, I don't mean elders as in those sitting in the front row. I mean the elders, older people among us for wisdom. Please do that. I, should, I do that as much as I can. It says they walked away, dropped their stones. Jesus looks up again. The woman there, probably still looking down, still nervous for the first stone to hit her. And Jesus says to her, does no one accuse you? She probably looks up and sees no one. He says, go in peace, but sin no more. What did Jesus do? He brought the truth of Jesus Christ in a gracious way that everyone around knew that they were sinful, that they need sinless, sorry, sinful, they needed Jesus, but yet was still being able to be gracious to the woman. There is a skill in doing that that we can only have by being close to Jesus, by having his Holy Spirit speak through us. That is the only way we can do that. There is no other way to speak with grace and truth in the same context at the same time, except if we allow Jesus to guide our words, which is what Paul asks them to pray for. Maybe this morning... You're sitting here, you've never heard the mystery of Jesus Christ. Maybe you've never heard that Jesus Christ will, has died on our behalf, um, that we can have eternal life with him. Maybe that's never been presented to you. If that's you, I want to ask you to put your hand up. Holy Spirit, I pray for fresh anointings on people now. A fresh anointing of your Holy Spirit.
a fresh anointing of who you are, Lord, a fresh strengthening from you, Jesus. More of you, God. More of you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. If you're standing, may I encourage you, go and sit with someone, go and chat with someone. God's identified something. The Bible in Ephesians says, "Be submit yourselves to one another, the reverence for Christ. God's shown you something, allowed you to see something. Go and sit with someone who can walk with you. Some things are quick and easy to solve. Some aren't. Let God allow the church who He's put here to equip you and to work, walk with you. That's why the church is here, that we can walk with each other. In closing, can we sing that song, uh, one, that song, One Name? Let's just lift up Jesus, celebrating that He speaks, celebrating that He's here, and just really worshiping Him, that He's come and met with us. Welcome to the Love Reaching Community's Sermon of the Week. For more information pertaining to the life of the church, please visit our website at lrcchurch.co.za.